We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this edition of News You Can Use. I'm Ann Baldwin here with you solo today for a little bit. But boy, do we have an event that we want to tell you about today. And that event is coming up very, very quickly, and I'm so excited to have with us today Dr. Frank LaBanca. And uh, Dr. Frank, thanks for being on the program, and today we're talking about the big Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair that's coming up, and you are the director of the program, so I can't imagine, um, other than your full-time job as principal of Westside Middle School Academy, Magnet, and Danbury, you've got this on your plate as well, but it's really an exciting time, isn't it? It sure is, Anne. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to be with you and your audience. Yeah, the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. Wow. We're doing our 74th fair this year. Uh, it's going to be a virtual event, but the fair showcases the work of Connecticut's 7th through 12th grade students from across the state and the original science and engineering research that they have conducted over the course of the past year. You know, I also see here that Fishers Island is also included. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation. We're actually an affiliate of the International Science and Engineering Fair, and Fishers Island falls into our catchment base. Most of the, uh, most of the students that go to Fishers Island actually uh, reside in Connecticut, is my understanding, and they come and they participate in our event as well. Well, that's unbelievable. 74 years. Um, I didn't realize, I guess, that science and engineering has been around that long, but we know it has, and it just keeps evolving and evolving. And you know what I think is so great about um, the fact that you guys do this event every year is the fact that you're taking and showcasing, more importantly, um, what these students are learning and doing in the classroom. You know, you talked about it 7th through 12th grade. And, um, and talk a little bit about some of the concepts that these students are working on that we'll now get to see pulled out into this competition. Sure. You know, students uh, conduct research, and what I think is exciting about the research that students conduct is it's not necessarily traditional science education. It's, it's research that kids do because they have a passion about a specific topic, something that irks them or they're interested in, and they want to just know more, and they, they follow these passions and, and conduct these amazing projects. You know, last year we, we had some kids, and, you know, I think people think a lot about, like, science fair, you get that old image of, the volcano, the exploding volcano, and that's not what the kids of Connecticut are doing. They're not demonstrating how a volcano works. They're doing projects that would just blow your mind. Last year, our top middle school winners, for example, we had we had two students, and one of them was actually making a metal oxide agglomeration electromagnetic filtration to remove microplastics. Like, wow, these kids are designing tools that can remediate problems in the environment that are occurring uh, because of the human impacts that's going on. This student designed a filter to take out microplastics, commonly uh, polluting lots of waters today, and she demonstrated how effective it could be. And I'm Another sure student. that, right, there's, I'm sure too, and we'll get to another project, but 
you know, as a result of this, kind of like an invention convention, right? So some of these ideas then, and we'll talk about some of your sponsors, but so the folks that get to see this and that are exposed to this, I'm sure that it doesn't just stop here. Some of these pieces then go on and are implemented into our lives, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, some of our students have actually applied for patents over the years and have been granted patents for the research they've done. We actually give an award. A patent attorney comes out and judges projects for our students, and he awards lunch with the patent attorney. So you can actually talk with a patent attorney and get ideas if you have a project of that quality. And, And he's picking them, obviously, because he thinks they are worthy of potential patents. And if you only knew what the hourly billable rate for a patent attorney <laughs> is, Absolutely. you know, it's it's quite a process. It's quite complicated and, and good for that individual for giving of their time, um, you know, to meet with some of these students. Now, you're about to tell me about another project that you've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you about lots I and know. lots of projects. Uh, and, you know, the last one I talked about, that was a middle school project. So a 13-year-old student doing that. And some of our high school students have done amazing things, too. Uh, with the pandemic, students were not working in labs as much last year, and a lot of them did uh, projects based on big data and analyzing big data to try to find solutions. We had machine learning projects. I mean, artificial intelligence is all the rage right now. We mm-hmm. hear about it all the time. And our kids are doing that work, trying to figure out how to analyze genomes or, or figuring out the best way to approach the stock market. You know, a wide variety of approaches using research and uh, machine learning to do that. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with uh, Dr. Frank LaBanca, and Frank is the uh, director for the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair, which is coming up. Um, it really is, you know, it's an ongoing project for these students, but then the submissions and the awarding all happens in the month of March, and we'll get into the details of that a little bit more. But, you know, Frank, I just want to say that I really believe, as, as someone who's been very involved in education throughout my career in public re- relations, I think it's important to note that. Um, there are too many naysayers that don't really understand what our young people are actually learning in schools and the caliber of the people that are teaching them and getting their minds going and getting them interested in these things. And this, to me, just is an opportunity, um, like I said at the beginning, to showcase you know, the excellence that's really happening in our learning institutions here in Connecticut. Oftentimes, I think you get beat up quite a bit because all we hear about is the bad news and the things that aren't working, and COVID has even added you know, more strain to that. But this really is just an amazing event, and um, hats off to you and, and to, to all the volunteers who put this together. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing uh, to note. You know, this is, this is like you look at these kids, you look at the work they're doing, you say, the world is going to be okay. We've got the next generation of passionate innovators, thinkers, creative people, who are going to figure out the problems, solutions to the problems that our world faces. And, uh, and you know, as volunteers, you know, we are an entirely volunteer organization, and uh, we, we all find the passion in doing this work because we know how important it is to give these students unique opportunities to showcase their work and their passion. Right, and, and I believe so many learners uh, can go beyond the boundaries of even what's being taught. And I would under I would you know probably think that a lot of these are you know projects that you want them to just enterprise to take and take it to the level that they can take it to, um, with no restraints, right? So here's your thought, here's yeah. your problem. So take it as far as you can take it because there are no parameters on these projects, as you probably see in evidence of the submissions. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the interesting things is I think our best project is the kids 
who do them think about who their audience is. Mm -hmm. And their audience is not mom and dad. Their audience is not the teacher in the four walls. They have legitimate people who would value and find important the work that they do. So we think about the, the great work the kids are doing, and they think about who cares. And, and there are often lots of people who would care about their work. Our judges come, and they treat the kids like peers in a lot of sense. They, they want the kids to behave and, and showcase their work and present in a way like they would do, and they get evaluated on the work. You know, do they have a really innovative idea? And once they had that innovative idea, did they take it in a path and try to solve a problem in a unique, creative way? And I think this is a good time, um, Frank, to talk about the fact that you're still looking for judges. Uh, the other beauty of Connecticut is we have a lot of professionals in the fields that you're looking for, for these people to, you know, take some of their time to sift through some of the projects. I know you guys do a lot of that legwork for them. Um, but you really need people that, that understand the importance and significance of these projects to give it a real good look and help determine, you know, who some of the or what some of the cream of the crop is. So we should mention it. So who are you looking for? STEM professionals? What other kinds of individuals could could sign up so, uh, some of their time yeah. to judge? So if you're a practicing scientist, if you're a practicing engineer, if you're a professor at a university or you are you have expertise in, in STEM education, we're looking for you help us uh, serve Connecticut students. And I often say, some of our students, you know, we've, co we've got students from some of the richest towns in the state, and we've got students from some of the poorest areas in the state. And some of our students, the only opportunity they might have to talk to and interact with a practicing scientist or engineer would be at our event, which could be such a springboard for, a, you know, a life-changing event or a life-changing pathway for them. And so we're looking for those individuals who have a passion for science and engineering, who would like to share that and help us evaluate students, but also give those students uh, an amazing experience so they can be inspired and motivated to go further on, either in their education with it or professionally as well. Right. That's a great point because we all know that when you plant that seed um, in these kids, you know, whether they're in, in junior high or whether they're in high school, if they have a good experience and if they get good feedback and get good exposure, who knows what could possibly, what their future could look like. So if you, again, are a STEM professional, uh, a scientist, uh, maybe you're a professor here in our state or in, into um, STEM research, whatever the case may be, hey, or if you just think you've got what it takes to be a judge, um, if you could reach out to Frank and his team at CT Science Fair. Dot org. That's ctsciencefair.org. So that's the information if you're looking, again, for more judges. Um, also, if people want to um, sponsor this event, that would be, or any information uh, um, on this thing. And um, one of the things, Frank, that I think is interesting, I remember back in the days of, of my school projects and when we had, you know, different kinds of fairs, you wondered who did the project, you know, the parent or the student. But here, this is all student-motivated, right? Yeah. And, um, and the nature of the projects is we, although we're doing a virtual event, we do do face-to-face -face or live judging, so to speak, uh, via Zoom. So our students get to talk directly to the, the scientists and engineers that evaluate them. And so their knowledge becomes very evident. Their ownership of their work becomes very evident through the judging process we do with them. And, and this is uh, something, you can't, you can't start building that resume quick enough. 
And I'm sure that there's a lot of folks, because we mentioned this is the 74th annual um, Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. So I'm sure by now, <laughs> some of these folks that have participated in this in the past have, have built just amazing careers. Yeah. We've had MacArthur geniuses come through our fair. We have CEOs of major technology startups that are alumni of our program, um, working in biotech industries, professors at universities across the country, all alumni of the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. That is amazing. And the hard part here has to be, too, that you're, you're going to have about, what do you think, 12,000 entries? So uh, the way our fair works is we have a number of feeder fairs that feed into our system, and about 12,000 projects from across the state uh, vie for the approximately 400 to 500 seats at the state fair. And uh, so we have about 400 to 500 projects annually that participate in our fair, all based throughout the state. Uh, many schools feed into that. So, for example, at my school in particular, we had... 200 students complete projects and compete for the 10 slots that our school is going to send to the state fair. So it truly is a statewide effort. Everybody, It's all inclusive, right? So Absolutely. everybody gets so many slots, and then when it comes into it, when it comes down to it, you know, this is where the judges come in and help whittle it down. So in the end, um, if I remember co correctly, about 150 to 200 students will actually receive awards for their projects. Yeah, we have a number of categories that students present in. The students participate in either the life science or physical science categories, major categories in the fair, and then we have a number of subcategories as well. Plus, we have lots of industry and associations that provide individual awards for students based on their particular interests. So uh, we give out probably this year close to $500,000 in scholarships awards, cash prizes, and experiences for the students. Well, and, and we all know that that $500,000 doesn't just show up, right? So you couldn't do this um, without the support of the sponsors that you already have. And on no other format or any other show will you ever get a chance to mention all of your sponsors. But I think this is such an important initiative that so many of these companies have have really supported that it's important for you to, to mention who those sponsors are, Frank. Sure. So our sponsors and supporters include our presenting sponsor, Raytheon Technologies. Um, they, they have been a long, uh, since they were United Technologies before the merger, they've been a long time presenting sponsor for us. Alexion Pharmaceuticals, the Boehringer Engelheim Cares Foundation, Jackson Laboratory, Lockheed Martin, PepsiCo, Connecticut Academy of Science and Engineering, Eversource, uh, United Illuminating, Pfizer, the Pettit family, Finley, Black, and Decker, plus the universities that partner with us to offer scholarships to the student, including students, including Quinnipiac, University of New Haven, University of Hartford, and the University of Connecticut. That's amazing. That's amazing. But we really do need to encourage these young people, especially in this day and age and in the world that we live in, um, you know, this is all the future. This is all of our future here. And, and to have these programs, you know, in these educational places and then emerge to see what folks are, are looking at is just, it's incredible. It really, really is. You know, I just can't believe how smart some of these kids are. And like you said, you know, it doesn't always have to be a complex project or issue. 
um, to find a solution. And that's really what, what everything is all about. That's what business is, right? Problems and solutions. Exactly. We're in an information age now, and the skills of identifying and solving problems, working collaboratively with others are key uh, to the success of individuals and, frankly, the country and the world. And we, we are hoping we are doing our small part to encourage that process and to inspire Connecticut's youth to be our future leaders. So as of the first, talk a little bit about the timeline, so how this thing all rolls out. Um, when will things be happening? Sure. So our judging process, we're recruiting judges currently right now. Students are putting the final touches on their projects. And the first week of March, March 4th, uh, 1st to 4th, students will be uploading their projects to our project portal. The second week, we, ha we do preliminary judging with all of the students and give everybody a chance to interact with a practicing scientist or engineer. They showcase uh, their work and their discussion. In preliminary judging, we identify our finalists, and that was the third week of March, and we uh, judge our finalists the third week of March, and we culminate with our live-streamed awards ceremony on March 19th, where we identify our top winners, and we also identify the students that we're going to send to the next rounds of national and international competition. Yeah, and that, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it, the, the process doesn't stop here. So some of those top contenders then move on to um, the International Science Fair, which happens in Atlanta, correct, in May? Yes, correct. So that's the, the top prize for our high school division students, uh, the International Science Fair Engineering Fair, the largest science fair um, really and most prestigious in the world. Students gather from all across the, uh, the globe to showcase their work uh, this year in Atlanta. There will be options for students to do that virtually and, and in person. So we're looking forward to having our students uh, present in person, perhaps virtually, at the largest science and engineering fair, uh, most prestigious in the world, the International Science and Engineering Fair. Wow, what a goal. I'm just a little confused, and I know that obviously over the past years you've, you've done this in person, but you're still at the, the tail end, let's hope, of you having to do this virtually. So how does that work? Um, how are you going to do that? Um, we'll go back to the judging. Will folks sure. be able to view the projects on their own schedule? What kind of a time commitment is that? So, you know, we believe that if you're willing to volunteer, we will make it as simple and convenient to your schedule as possible. So we have special awards that need to be judged, and those can be judged either in real time or they can be judged independently. We have a portal on our website which showcases all the student work, and some judges go in and they review projects and provide their judging results that way. Some of our judges uh, come one or two days, and they, uh, they observe and talk to students, and they ask them questions back and forth, and they have discussions with them. They also review their projects on our project portal. And some of our really dedicated uh, judges for many years, perhaps, they come, and they come every day to our six days of judging sessions that we take place. Obviously, those are all virtual, so they can, you can do them from the comfort of your home and your couch. But, um, you know, whatever works, for, if you're willing to support us, we're able and willing to do it as, as convenient as can be for you. And that's a reminder, too. You know, I volunteered to judge some essay contests in the past and, and some art contests. And you say to yourself, or I said to myself, you know, what did I get myself into? 
but when you get into the process and you start to see what's coming out of the minds of these young people and the ideas that they have and the promise that they have for our future, it's so worthwhile. So again, I want to encourage people who are out there listening or maybe you go knock on your next door neighbor's door or give somebody a phone call that you know might be a good fit. STEM professionals, scientists, professors, um, those really are the folks that you're looking for that might have some knowledge, right, of, of what these projects are all about. And let's give credit where credit's due because there's a lot to go through here. There's going to be a lot of tough decisions, and, um, and we really do want people to get involved. So a reminder, go to the website, ctsciencefair.org. Um, all the information is there. What if there's a parent or grandparent that's listening to this, Frank, and they're wondering if their, their student is involved? Well, go again, go to our website. We have information on our website that showcases all of the schools that participate. And you can also see a list of all the student projects. And, and if your child or your grandchild or a family member or a friend is participating in the fair, I hope you take some time once the projects are uploaded after the first week of March to look at our project portal and take a look at the projects. You will be blown away by what you see. Mm -hmm. Now, can anybody attend the award ceremony on Saturday, March 19th? Yeah, we'll be posting uh, a link on our website, ctsciencefair.org, and uh, we'll have a live stream available uh, for people to view and watch. And you know, it might seem a little bit weird, but it also can be kind of fun. I mean, you're not the only award ceremony that's had to go virtual these past couple of years, and, and you can make it what it is, right? So if you know a student who's up for an award, make a night of it. Pop some popcorn, you know, maybe... Uh, get a little glass of 7-Up and pretend it's champagne or whatever you want to do, get dressed up and show up because it's still a really fun presentation. And, and it's unfortunate these kids can't feel the excitement in person, but they know the hard work and the more support that folks on the outside can show these students for their hard work and dedication, you know, I think it's just a benefit to everybody. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What an opportunity to see what Connecticut is doing well in its schools. And, and what an opportunity to support those students who are doing this amazing work. And if you didn't hear what uh, Frank was saying earlier, again, we're talking with Dr. Frank Labanca, um, who's the director of the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. I mean, I have in my notes, and this must be from last year, $300,000 uh, was being given out in awards and scholarships, and you said $500,000. So that just shows you the growth of this particular event, the success of this particular event and the credibility uh, of what it is that you're doing. I mean, this is the real deal. Yeah, this is Connecticut's oldest and most prestigious STEM event for students. I'm going to ask you a tough question. I hope that you're ready, Dr. LaBarca. Sure. So you're already a principal um, at the uh, Westside Middle School Academy Magnet in Danbury. Why did you decide to take on this as the director? So we can rewind quite a number of years, uh, go back to 2000. I was a teacher at Stamford High School, and I got really interested. I knew from my personal experience in being educated in STEM as, as a science teacher and as a scientist, I did work on the Human Genome Project for a little bit, that I learned best and I got most excited about science when I was doing original work. And so I wanted to bring that experience to my students, and I started uh, a research program. And I made several stops along the way, and uh, I got involved, and, and the science fair was an opportunity for my students to uh, show their work 
And, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in volunteerism, and I think it's a very important part of my life. And so I began volunteering with the organization a number of years ago, and time has passed, and <laughs> I'm now sitting in the seat which directs the entire thing. But it's from a place of volunteerism, and it's also from a place of, of what doing research with students uh, has done for me both professionally and personally in such a positive way. And we should probably give a shout-out to Sandy Muller, who is the president of this organization, and uh, all, the, all the volunteers, all the people who – it doesn't just happen, folks. You can't put together an event like this uh, without hard work and dedication. And it sounds like you really have that behind you, Dr. LeBanca, and um, hats off to everybody. Uh, you know, it, it is definitely a team effort. You know, I might be here talking with you about it, and I might be some of the face of the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair, but, but the truth is it doesn't happen without all of our dedicated board members. We have a working board, again, all volunteer, and, and our executive committee who helps us coordinate and do, and do the judging. We're, we're involving lots of people in this process, and, and the volunteerism that our, our team shows is uh, just you know, inspiring. It is inspiring. We hope that we have inspired our listeners today, Frank, to go to your website, ctsciencefair.org. Check it out. Get involved. Maybe you can help with the judging, uh, but reach out soon because this process is off and running and they need judges. You need judges right now. And sponsors, of course, are always welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on here. Continued success to you, to your organization, and most importantly, to all these students who are taking part um, in the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. Well, thank you so much, Anne. It was great to speak with you today, and, and thank you for the opportunity to share the work we're doing for Connecticut's youth. It was my pleasure, and we couldn't do this without you, our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.